podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Daner and Dave Ninimitz. It's Daner and Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growlin, Paul Jr. Jr., Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic with you here on a Tuesday. Dave, I'm back from San Francisco, or more properly, the Bay Area, Santa Clara, mm-hmm. San Jose. Made it back. Mm-hmm. Happy to be back. Everybody's, you know what? The fan base has turned. The worm has turned. Everybody's back to being <laughs> happy, unless it involves Herb Smith. But otherwise, yeah. everybody's back. You know, on board, and everything just feels right in the world after uh, a state. Are we, are we gonna go statement. Do we like the uh, concept of statement wins? I like statement win about as much as I like must win game. Oh, yeah. How many? Again, we we played that. We talked about the must win armband that mm-hmm. was uh, sort of pulled out uh, against yeah. Arizona. Now that you, you, if they win that game. You get it back because uh-huh. you can be another, but you can't must win and lose, and then you're then you're really done. So this is it's like the getting review challenge, yeah, challenge, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a challenge flag, yeah, yeah. You get you, you get, you get your must win arm. So so anybody that played it, including Joe Burrow against Arizona, gets the must win arm bin <laughs> armband back. Uh, and this is this is sort of the uh, the, the same way. You get an extra statement came back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, how many statement games should even be allowed in this season? Like, how many know. statements do we need to make? Less, I would say. One would hope, yeah. But Mo, Mo called this for us. He said they lose this game, and now we're just talking the the season swirling the drain. They win this game, and everything's right, and they're going back to the Super Bowl. There was they, no in between. Well, I would say there would have been an in between if they would have won, but the defense carried them again. But when they yeah. win. And Burrow has arguably his best game as a pro. I'll get into that with Mo later. We're going to do some ranking. People yeah. love ranking. <laughs> but I, it's a kind of a fun ranking to go through through a, a unique lens. I'm going to do that with, with, with Mo when he comes on later. But when they win, they win handily. They do it with Burrow playing great, the offense playing great, one of their most complete games. Yeah. Now yeah. everybody's back. Super, like, Bowl, all- Super Bowl is back. Everybody's the, everybody's rebooking Vegas. <laughs> all the signature <laughs> things like uh yeah. the goal to go interception by Jermaine Pratt. It was it was Burrow bouncing around, eluding tacklers, making ridiculous throws. It was everything. It was for, the, everything. for those of you still on the Twitter cesspool, I will not stop retweeting my story about goal line stands every time one happens. <laughs> I got it. I got it back out there for you on our live blog too. Yeah. When that happened, I made sure to give it some life there. I'm just. I'm gonna be relentless about this. Okay. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on that story. Not enough of you guys read it when I posted it. Okay. And I knew yeah. it was relevant. And so I'm never giving up. It's going to continue <laughs> to make its way back out. All right. We're got a lot to get to. Um. I want to just go through some of the stuff. I didn't get into in the walkout. We're going to talk a little bit about Irv Smith's future. We're going to bring Mo on and talk a little bit about Burrow. And amazingly, Dave, somehow we have too much alien content right now. It's Halloween, so that's good. That's good. But yeah, there's a lot. It's, we continually are getting added yeah. uh, about 
things that are happening in alien news, which I love. Like, I can't tell you how much I wanted this bit to just start carrying <laughs> itself where you guys just send it to me. Uh, yeah. I don't even have to look it up anymore. And then Joe's like, you know what? I'll help you out. I'll yeah. wear the alien mask. I, I appreciated that. I'd like to think that was his salute to us. That yeah. that was his tip of the cap to the show. Did you have any doubt that the lead in my post game column was going to be about <laughs> the alien mask, no matter what the result? I, no, no. <laughs> but I said, I can't. I have to do it. I have yeah, to do it. Yeah. I Once I saw it, I realized other media too everybody was just having their their joe burrow alien mask moment and other guys had costumes and we didn't talk about them it's that seems kind of unfair but no they don't matter no (laughs) uh we're gonna we're gonna review the growler bet which applaud i'm I'm just i'm just gonna clap into the microphone here to all (laughs) of you that listen you guys are the best and girls this this i have never had a week of more like the quantity and the quality of hilarious subject headers. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the fact that we had Michael Turner, comedian Michael Turner uh, on Thursday, which he was hilarious and and had some good fodder. The alien stuff going to California, San Francisco. I don't know what it is, but you guys were feeling it. And uh, a lot, a lot of great. I couldn't even get I can't even get to all of them, but I picked my top like, I don't know, five and honorable mentions to get in there. Uh, so we'll review that. I have some RBs, of course, from our trip uh, out west. Let's start here. Oh, uh, this week, this Thursday, uh, return guest. No, not from this year, so it doesn't count. Uh, Tyler Dunn of Go Long. Uh, of Go Long. Yeah, hope you got you guys know him. We had him live here the last time Buffalo came to town. He's coming to town again. Uh, but I'm gonna have him on the podcast as a guest to talk all things Bengals, Bills, some big big picture NFL stuff. Love TD, he's the best. I hope you guys subscribe to his site because the work he does is incredible. Um, so please uh, subscribe to him. But he'll be on as as my co-host on Thursday. Really looking forward to that. You you you've read TD before. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. That's great. You're getting him too. Um, the guests have been outstanding so far. This I've year. got more. I've got more lined up that I'm really excited about. It's, it's become a fun little thing to see. Uh, to see who, one who's willing and two uh, who I, <laughs> where I can go uh, with it. So we're we're having some fun with it. But TD was has been earmarked for a while now uh, because you know he's he's from Buffalo, so he has a lot of yeah. insight on that team as well. Although he covers the league nationally, which makes him a perfect. Touch and yeah. they told me he's coming to town, so love that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about. Um, I want to get into. I, I I tweeted about this yesterday. It's funny because last year we did this where the whole season was viewed through. Look from week five on, uh, this is who this team was. This is who they are. Can you can you have Joe Burrow as an MVP candidate if we take away the first two weeks where he was so bad? <laughs> We're going to do it again, unbelievably, <laughs> to the, almost to the exact week. We are going to filter this season through the week five on lens. Can we, I mean, have was ever been clearer that a team just views the first four games of the season as preseason than the Bengals <laughs> offensively particular? Like, it's unbelievable. We're going to do it again. Week five on, this is who they are. And it feels, it really feels that way now Three a month after that, three games into this stretch. Yeah, I mean, we 
we always knew it once Burrow was healthy again. We were just worried that that calf would act up. We should have listened to him. He gave us the old Aaron Rodgers relax early on in the season, and everybody was still in panic mode. But it is shaping up <laughs> hauntingly familiar to what we've seen in the past. Yeah. So, so since since week five, points per drive, Bengals rank third. Uh, EPA per drive, third. Touchdown percentage. Third, uh, they have been who you expected them to be since Burrow could move, uh, yeah. and and that's been it, despite despite what happened against Seattle in the second half, which it's a good Seattle defense, which got better with Leonard Williams uh, yeah. added at the trade deadline, and defensively since Week Five, you know where the offense isn't putting the defense in so many terrible situations, having all that complimentary foot ball that we love to talk about so much <laughs> points per drive since then Bengals seventh scores per drive third turnovers per drive first wow. 23% basically one That's in every amazing. four drives are ending in a turnover over the last three games for Lou Anarumo's crew which have been on one so to speak but there, Dave the, the, the thing about this defense that I want to talk about that where Lou Lou's crew Ludini, whatever word name we're going for that he hates um, this week. The mad scientist. Where, the mad scientist. Whoever, you know, what they do particularly well is when they know even more so, when they put you in a spot where you become more predictable and he can yeah. fire all cannons of out of his bag, particularly yeah. playing from ahead. Man, they're great at it. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson is a closer. They've got a bunch of guys that are great at anticipating and getting picks um you know they're they're just really good at that and they have been for a while now and it shows when they play from ahead and that's why you know when we go back to early in that san francisco game that wild burrow third and 10 conversion it's like they were stressing all week man we just have to play from ahead you heard zach taylor on monday said you know thought tennessee and seattle were kind of the same game except yeah. they were allowed to play from ahead. It didn't feel like they were having to come from behind because of what they did on the first couple of drives. And this, that could have been the difference against Tennessee as well. If it, the game had a different dynamic, this team is better playing from ahead. Everybody is, but the, the particularly the way they play defense, the style that they can be off Burroughs ability to get to anything and keep people guessing, um, it, it, you know, it just benefits them so much you look at that that kind of tells the story the way it's gone the last three weeks of how good they are that way and turnovers are you know the number one part yeah well and what we saw a lot of against san francisco that we've talked about in the past is this ability to show the quarterback one thing and then something else happens and uh I think that that's why going into this game, I felt like this was going to be a Lou Anarumo game because he had Brock Purdy out there and Brock Purdy say what you want. You can tip your cap to him for everything he's done. He's still a young quarterback that isn't ready for these looks where all of a sudden a defensive end is dropping into coverage or he thinks someone's blitzing and they're not. And I'll segue you into Logan Wilson. I mean, I think his interception is a good example of Purdy never saw him. And yeah, it, it just says a lot about the versatility of their guys up in the box and their linebackers that uh, 
they can do a lot of different things and Lou really knows how to push the buttons on that. And I think we saw it in full form on Sunday. And they really value guys that really can get turnovers. I mean, they, yeah. they know that that's what wins games and, and maybe they'll give up some stuff otherwise for guys that find the ball are really good at catching it when it comes their way. Logan Wilson is the premium example. Cam Taylor Britt mm-hmm. as well. I mean, where it's just he makes the play. I, I got to tell you, I kept going back because in the lead up, we were watching a bunch of Brock Purdy stuff and you see him make these throws where he's got great anticipation over the middle mm-hmm. of the field and throwing where you're like, God, that window is so small, but because he throws it so early, it gets in there. It's like I'd seen him throw that ball that Wilson picked off a number of times, except Wilson was ready for it and made the play and like started making the break before right as Purdy yeah. was throwing it rather than it coming, you know, he he baits him into it and yeah. then makes the catch. Brock Purdy had a very high turnover worthy play rate, but not a high interception rate. Guys weren't always making the play. Uh yeah. Logan Wilson made the play. Get this, Dave. Paul's got stats. Shout out Jay Morris. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, and Jay, if you're listening, uh, eat your heart out on this one, buddy. Logan Wilson has 10 interceptions for the first 47 games of his career. So I used that nifty span uh, tool on pro football reference over the last 40 years. Linebackers to have 10 interceptions or more in their first 47 games. One. One person has had has had more than ten. Sean Lee of Dallas had eleven. Wow! Second on the list, Logan Wilson with ten. That's the last forty years of linebacker play in the NFL. Logan Wilson with ten picks, and this isn't a time where interceptions are down. I mean, this isn't like the seventies and eighties where you know guys were racking up picks because no quarterback knew how to throw the ball correctly and guys were getting mugged all over the place. This is a different era. It goes, here's your list. Cause you know what, you know what football dudes on podcasts love to do is say old names. Uh, <laughs> John Lee 11, Logan Wilson 10, Wilbur Marshall with nine, uh, Shaq Leonard with eight, Deion Jones with eight, Lofa Tatupu with eight. Seahawks great. Yeah. Seahawks great. Ronald McKinnon from back in the 80s, eight. I mean, that's this is not by chance that there's some yeah tips go your way but it's knowing where to be anticipating the tips making the play when you make the move you know what i mean it's all of it plays together that is that is remarkable uh what logan wilson has been able to do i mean those are those are game changers and it certainly was on sunday and you know logan wilson and jermaine pratt for that matter really don't get enough credit for things for the ways they, they, they are able to change games. And and that stat kind of proves it. Yeah. And it makes those contract extensions look all the better. I think yeah, those are, those are two pretty unsung guys and especially Wilson to, to lock him up for a few more years. You've got a real cornerstone of your defense. that doesn't get league wide. You don't, you don't hear the hype around him, but he just gets it done. And, and year after year, uh, that's, that's an astonishing number. 10 and 47 games for a middle linebacker. He's, he's pretty special. And I mean, I go back to like this one. It reminded me of the one he had against the jets a couple years ago where he ran the rail and went like he went from the line of scrimmage to 25 yards down the field 
running vertically and intercepted Joe Flacco. Now, a lot of people have intercepted Joe Flacco, but it was one that he never could have anticipated a linebacker being able to make it that far, the movement skills, and then to make the play. This was kind of like it, too, to flip your hips, turn over, make the play, and get going. I mean, just for for a guy at that position, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Is he a a guy who had been a safety, if I recall? Yeah, yeah. You know, Logan Wilson's a former. That's you know he's that that's kind of the new, really the new linebacker yeah. skill set is former yeah. safety converts to linebacker because uh, he gets bigger and and has the yeah. more of the athleticism that you need to really play the position uh, yeah. today. And, and he's he's a premium example. Yeah, it really shows. Um, no, it's funny that you you mentioned you reference an old one, an old interception. It's like. He's had so many, it's hard to kind of sift through the ones yeah, he's had. It's That's, true. That says something about how much how much he's done. Yeah. A short career, really. He hasn't been around that long. 47 games to be exact. 47 games. Uh so let's um I wanna wanna get to Mo here. Uh and when we come back from talk with Mo, we'll talk a little bit. I know everybody wants to talk about Irv, but we're gonna try to keep it positive off the top here first, because it's just a lot of positivity it's like when 92 good things happen in one bad you want to be like all right let's open by talking about the bad thing you know <laughs> we, we have plenty of time to get in lord knows we have beaten it to death uh but we'll, we'll discuss that in a little bit first of all let's bring in our good friend from espn 1530 mo Egger. what's up how we doing doing good how are you doing oh uh, wonderful mo i was i was saying at the top of this show and and i kind of texted this to you it is an embarrassment of riches how much alien content we have today. Well, I, I feel like this is Joe Burrow's greatest impact on on the week. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about his play on the field. But when he emerged from the team bus wearing that uh, alien mask, it just it set things to a sent things to a different level. Yeah, no question. I mean, into space, if you will. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited to get to that. And there's even more because uh, we, we had two major alien content incidents this week that we have to get to i'll save that for a second but first you know i love these like media tropes conversational tropes i love rank we get in some rankings and such great okay so I i thought it would be fun because i was thinking about this yesterday on the number on the long flight home from the west coast about Man, was that Burrow's best game in like the big picture and not in the 525 yards against whoever, whatever insurance salesman was playing corner for the Ravens <laughs> or, you know, some of the other games, Atlanta, right? He throws for a bunch, but I mean, Atlanta was over man. in terms of degree of difficulty, importance in the season, using all your skills off the field impact in a like crossroads moment and then just general awesomeness of of play through that lens was that burrow's best game and it kind of got me to think it's kind of fun to go through and rank them and i think it highlights how important and good joe burrow was over the last two weeks and so i thought let's do it let's try to do it through that lens i've i've got five games here uh, in, 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 I think in the right order for me. So I'm really, and we haven't talked about this. So I'm curious where you land on this ranking. Let's talk about that through that lens importance on, off the field, level of play moment in the season, degree of difficulty where, how do you rank Burroughs best games? 
Well, this is like ranking your children, right? Yeah. Which I only have sure. one, so I don't have to do that. I, I've got two. I'll do it. Yeah. You know, every parent <laughs> secretly ranks their children. I, I know I was number three. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, so there's a part of me that's like, you know what? You should have given me more time to do this. And then there's a part of me that's like, had he given me more time to do this, I would have ob- ob- obsessed over this. I would have been uh, less functional than usual. I would have been useless to my family. And so you, I didn't Try have to help you to out. Over. Yeah. So I, I think the first part of this is to to put what we saw Sunday in the proper context. We We might need more of the season to play out, right? Like if what we saw against San Francisco was the launching point to what we think this team can be and what people like me hope this team will be, then it, it might be the greatest effort. If it turns out that it's a really nice performance, better than a really nice performance, but a really good performance against a terrific team in a season in which they go eight, nine, which I don't think is going to happen, then, you know, okay, it loses some of its meaning. Um, I have it as second best. So to me, the, the best Burrow performance ever is still week 17 against Kansas City 2021 season. Yep. I have the um, exact same one, too. For a lot of different reasons. First of all, and, and by the way, that is that game is the best game I've ever seen a wide receiver play. And <laughs> I'm old enough to remember Jerry Rice carving us up in us, carving the Bengals up in the Super Bowl when I was 11. And I, I was I watched Flipper Anderson uh, against the Saints when I was a kid, have like 900 yards receiving, and it was unbelievable. But the Burrow performance that day, it was a combination of opponent, uh, stakes, degree of difficulty, and having to rise to the occasion multiple times. You know, they were down 14 nothing early, and when, when they got the ball down 14 points, you thought, if they don't score a touchdown here, game's over. And there were multiple occasions that day where they get the ball down multiple scores. And if they don't score games over and yet time and again, he delivered and with, you know, they, they didn't want to have to go to Cleveland and need to win, right? They were at home. They had just torched Baltimore the week before. There's so much at stake. It's against the the current gold standard in quarterbacks. It's degree of difficulty because of, of just, you know, how how many points they were down at, at various junctures in that game and in a game in which he and they had to be perfect with so much riding on it and so many people paying attention he was damn near flawless that's the the signature joe burrow performance as far as i'm concerned um so that's that's going to be number one and i'll be honest with you you know maybe he has a, a big moment in the Super Bowl or something, it's for me at least going to be really hard to sort of knock that performance off the top of the list. Yeah, so that's, that's the old like it's never going to be the same as the first time, you yeah. know, where I mean, yeah. that was when you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a, a, a dude like the dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, where you just knocked off the best. I mean, he threw for 446 with 77 percent completion that day, racked up 34 points and perfectly managed that last drive where they ran it down in <laughs> yeah. chaos everywhere in, yeah. in big moments. It was, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's one. I think yesterday is too, when you consider the crossroads of the season, when you consider how much they needed it and, and, and where he was coming from this year, because I mean, he was ha- at, he was 
managing a team that needed to be managed over the bye week, right? At, with tone set. And I mm-hmm. thought his line of we'll see if we are, you know, we'll see who if we're still that same team was really to us what it's what it was very apparent he was projecting internally to his teammates of you know this is it's time now and T Higgins talked about you could tell in him during the week like it was that different intensity and I think part part of that comes from what we talked about last week Mo this we can we can obsess over the fringes all we want quarterback's got to be great and when yeah. that happens Stars play like stars. Everything falls into place. And that's exactly what happened. Stars play like stars. Quarterback plays incredible. Everything can fall into place. And you don't obsess over the fringes, although we will. Uh, <laughs> you, is, you is don't the fringes, need to. Are the fringes labeled Irv Smith? Yeah, there's the fringes now has one is one person at this point. Uh, but, you know, you, 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 you obsess over that for the wrong reason because because everything else wasn't right in line. And him taking this team on and off the field that that moment in the season to to really make it make that feel like they have kind of become the team they needed to doing things they hadn't done all year evolution of the game plan I mean you name it all of those things a part of it and then making you know I mean eighty eight percent completion I, I don't even against a great San Francisco team that had yeah. won ev- uh, that Purdy hadn't lost at home eleven I mean all of that combined ascends it over some far better statistical performances from burrow uh to 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 land up here i'm curious do you have any more on your list because it got got kind of fun after those two i thought yeah well and then the you know the thing about sunday was everything you said is true but it also had that one magical moment the third and ten yeah he avoids the sack and throws the ball to t higgins which the, the burrow to t thing has been such a talking point this year I mean, I I watched the game with with a lot of friends of mine, and and we all sort of looked at each other and went, "Okay, this is it, game on." <laughs> like he's back. I mean, it, mm-hmm. if what that play would have made the crowd sound like in a home game, you know, <laughs> it's the only thing I wish would have happened because yeah. where I was, there was this, "Okay, we're good." Like yeah. this is about to take <laughs> off, and it did, right? And it yep, did. It did. So. You know, if we're doing this exercise years from now, we talk about that game. That's the moment I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that moment, third and ten, where I mean, even if you listen to Dan's radio call, he thinks he's sacked. We Everybody did. did. Yeah, and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase did. They stopped. Yeah. Not only <laughs> does he not get sacked, but they get a first down. I, yeah. I, I mean, it was the quintessential Joe Burrow magic that had been missing the first six games, and so. That game is always going to stand out for me. When you ask me about it, you know, 28 to 32, I'll remember that. Three different guys scoring touchdowns, I'll remember that. But I'll, I'll remember the third and two and the looks we all gave each other like, oh, crap. Yes. So uh, it, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was well, going to say, it's funny you mentioned that because my number three has a similar play from this point in the season last year that we talked about. And that was his mass, his ridiculous escape on third and eight in New Orleans. Because I thought the way he played in New Orleans last year with his legs, with the way he threw the ball, Jamar Chase, the moment, two and three, everything he had to do to get them back on track to have a massive game like that with his guy. I placed New Orleans 2022 up there and particularly going back to that moment as well, one earlier in the game 
before even the game winner that set that off. It, it put number it put that as number three for me over the the big context. Yeah, so I, I jotted that down on my very rudimentary list here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I had it behind the Titans playoff win in 2021 um, because he took a beating. Yeah. And never turned the football over. Mm-hmm. Um, showed incredible toughness. And, you know, it was an ugly game. But to not turn the football over that day was remarkable. Was remarkable and he made throws to help win the game but you know we we did the podcast before the season where we talked about you know he really hasn't had that that playoff moment where he's put the team on his back or you know just had this statistically superior performance he's had some some terrific performances in the playoffs or terrific moments in the playoffs but he hasn't had yet that signature 60 minute game but the titans game that day that you know there was the the house money feel to it, but you know, that the game is kind of nip and tuck and you're like, Holy crap, are they going to do this? And then if they don't do it now, it's going to be heartbreaking. And you just kept waiting for Joe to either be carted off or make a, a, a mistake. And he just kept getting up and he just kept not turning the football over. And that's why they won the game. Yeah. I mean, there were you know, Jesse Bates and they were a lot of Mike Vrabel, not knowing how football works, a lot of different reasons. <laughs> but when I think of that game, I think of just, this is going to end poorly because at some point the amount of pressure and the amount of times they're hitting Joe is going to lead to something disastrous. And that's going to be the turning point and nothing disastrous ever came. Yeah. And so I rank that game really, really high. I put the saints game right behind it for every reason you just articulated, you know, look, they're coming off a, a loss on the road to Baltimore. They're on the road. It's two and three. It feels like the walls are closing in. They've got some guys hurt. And then Joe, you know, does, a play much like the one we saw against San Francisco when he hits Jamar uh, for the game winner. That was terrific too, but you know, it's, you have to apply the context of it felt like the season was sort of slipping away. And then, you know, he does some awesome things late in the game and and they went on the road, but I, I rank the Titans playoff win slightly, slightly ahead of it. My, my last two. And then I want to, I want to hop onto a different topic that connects to this. I, I have Baltimore in 21. The, the regular season 41 to 17 when Jamar goes off in that game as well, where, you know, that was sort of the coming of age for the entire team. And Burrow was great. It was really, it's kind of remembered more of a Jamar game, but Burrow was yeah. incredible that day. And that, that was a, a, a real moment where he started flexing his, his muscles uh, as far as I'm, I'm not just going to be out here throwing go balls. Like this is going to be the underneath the outside. He was outsmarting people, you know, where he had the, like the play where he throws a touchdown to Uzama, making them come up. Like, you know, it, it was just one of those. And then um, also, you know, Kansas city regular season game last year, you know, mm-hmm. where I thought he, you know, 80% completion and he was, he was unbelievable. What I want to say about this, I, I thought, I'm curious your take on this. I thought one of the most important elements of this win into why you should really believe in it. You mentioned the moment in the season earlier and why this feels like more than a win is that I thought they really tapped into the core of who they have been as a team that we wondered if they would, that Burrow said that we'll see if we're still those people. And that is God, they love being the the disrespected underdog. It's unfreaking believable. Let me give you this. This is this is this is Joe Burrow as an underdog of four or more 
This is by whatever the lines were that Pro Football Reference recognized for that for the game. As Joe Burrow, as an underdog of four or more since the start of the 2001 season, you have him as there's it's happened seven times. Okay. Mm-hmm. They've covered everyone. They are six and one straight up. The only loss is the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, it not only that, they have blown teams out. Okay. <laughs> but the Baltimore game I just mentioned, and he's played his best game. The Baltimore game I just mentioned, Buffalo in the playoffs. The game Sunday, Tennessee that you just mentioned, and yes, Kansas City, both Kansas City (laughs) games that we just mentioned. He has played his absolute best in these spots, and the team follows that. Like, don't tell him, and Zach Taylor has mentioned, he mentioned it last year's run. He's like, there's something about this team. You tell them they can't do something. For some people, it shuts them down. It makes these guys better than ever. And they follow Burrow's lead with that. And this, this man, anybody that was betting this, I guess, should have been uh, more aware of this trend. But like, and we should have talked about it more. But it was a question of will they be still mm-hmm. be that same group? And the fact that it looks like they're still that same group and Zach Taylor can continue to tap into this and this team can continue to tap into this and they can go ahead and play the nobody believed in us at, you know, three and three or two and whatever, oh, and two and all the things that were said, panic buttons. They can they can play those keys all the way in, into January at this point. Uh, and and try, because this has always set off the best personality in in the Bengals. Yeah. And I, I think if you if you really doubted them now, there's a difference between being concerned and doubting. I've been concerned. But if you've really been doubting them, don't you feel kind of silly? Yeah, I mean, if you have been, I don't, I don't them, know. I mean, yeah, I mean, if counting them it would out. ever come around. Yeah, you haven't sure. ever counted them out, but you wondered if it would be enough. No doubt, whatever their whatever their reaction would be. No, no question. But but you know, in the in the the hot take climate that we're in, where you know nothing is, everything is either the greatest ever or the worst ever. At one and three, it's they're done, they're cooked, and it's like, and I can can we see if. The, the MVP caliber quarterback can get healthy first. And then if, if he does see what that looks like, uh, you had to at least allow for the possibility that if he got healthy, he was going to start playing like Joe Burrow again. And, you know, again, maybe by late December, what we saw against San Francisco proves to be the outlier. My guess is it's not. Yeah. My, my guess is the trend continues. And, you know, is it going to be enough to win the division? They've got to make up some ground against a, a, a really good Baltimore team, but, I'll take my chances against anybody in the league if if I got that guy healthy looking the way he did. And uh, the track record says I should feel good about that. Yeah. I mean, and that was sort of the point early in the season when you realized this was going to be a longer-term battle. It was yeah, get to the bye and start the season over with fully healthy Burrow and off you go. And and they found a way to get to the bye at 3-3 three and three and now off they go. And it's kind of played out the through the through the best case scenario that it could have could have after the Baltimore tweak, that that was the the hope the whole time is that you'd be sitting right here like this, feeling great, fully healthy Burrow, and all the confidence, and at four and three, and right in the mix of of, mm-hmm. of where where you hoped things would be. All right, that's enough serious talk. 
Um, <laughs> Joe Burrow wore an alien mask, and everybody yeah. wanted to know our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I appreciate that. Do you think this is him trying to signal to us that he has also believes an alien has seen it and wants our conversations to continue? Because I questioned in recent weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, are we going too deep on this bit? Are people getting sick of it? Right. Mm -hmm. I wondered, should we keep doing this? You told me no power on, sir. Go forward. Yes. And and I and I doubted that message a little bit. And but then, you know, we had the whole Goldie Hawn thing. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, which by the way, a reader suggested there's actually a condition that it's called sleep paralysis. It's actually a real mm-hmm. thing. Okay. And they and they're like, you know, we should look into that. It sounds like Goldie Hawn Goldie Hawn might have had sleep paralysis and maybe not necessarily abducted by aliens, but I don't know that okay. that's true. Sure. Okay. Fine. Don't send Whatever. me doctor stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The the question was you think he was signaling. That we must trudge forward. We must power forward in this really selfless quest to keep this at the forefront. Well, Paul, if only he had a weekly media availability (laughs) where you could pose questions to him along those lines and, and find out, you know, was there some sort of hidden message? What was what were you getting at there, Joe? You know, I think what folks have to remember that the. The, the genesis of the alien conversation on this podcast was not uh, how either of us believe or don't believe in the existence of aliens. It's how we have people who have confirmed seemingly somewhat credible people who have confirmed the existence of aliens. And in this completely screwed up world we live in, nobody seems to care. Mm-hmm. And in both of our lifetimes, there have been moments where if that was a thing, it would have it would have taken over. And instead, we just no one cares. Things are so effed up right now that we just, oh, yeah, OK, that's cool. Uh, what's next? We don't care. So what I hope is the, the result of this is Joe wears the alien mask and everybody has a laugh. But maybe the message here that gets delivered is, hey, you know, there's a conversation that should be had that most of you are missing because you're obsessing over God knows what else. And so let's let's talk about whether or not aliens do exist. Let's care about this because there was a, a day and age in which we we would have and did. And now we don't, if that makes sense. And I like to point out the NASA sweatshirt. I also thought was signaling of yeah. let's stop listening to the crazy Mexican government. OK, Correct. And, and the wackadoos. Mm-hmm. And let's focus on real people, real smart people looking for aliens. NASA is out here. I mean, they have podcasts. Do aliens exist? We asked a NASA scientist. They mm-hmm. have a whole series of episodes on this and and they have a lot of information, real information. So maybe he's saying, look, they're the ones holding some of the biological DNA. They got stuff, too. They got they need. That's who we need to talk to. And I think that's the point here. You got you got to focus a little bit more on the real information and not the wackadoo stuff. That's yeah, happened. I appreciate that. About I it. think you make a very good point. And, and I also feel like <laughs> it, it might have been a, a subtle dig at Jamar Chase, who's oh. on record as saying he doesn't believe in aliens. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Never afraid to go after Jamar. Maybe that's right. what it was. And so maybe there's this, hey, look, you know, Jamar, just take a look at this and maybe reconsider your stance, understand what's going on out there. And, uh, you know, look, let's let's listen to some of these NASA podcasts. 
which by yeah. the way, I'm going to do this afternoon yeah. on my way to work. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it, but I, I feel like this only compels us to keep the conversation going about this because it's important. Yeah, and, it is. And, and, and like, all I'm trying to do is make people care again. You may not believe there are aliens. That's fine. I'm not sure that I believe it, but all I know is this. We have folks who are like, yeah, look, here's some biological remains of aliens and nobody cares. That's what it was remarkable to me when I brought this up seven weeks ago. It's remarkable to me today. Yeah. And here we are. And maybe, you know, us recognizing that we're going to continue to carry this torch has made a few people hit the unsubscribe button. I'd ask you not to. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I don't I've looked at the feedback. I see what people they they seem to. We keep getting reaction to it. And they, I they at I, least they at least sit through it. Like I say all the time, <laughs> you don't have to like the show. I just need you to sit through it. Right. But you might hate. Listen, that's your motivations for listening. Irrelevant to me. Right. Yeah. I just, in fact, just turn it on. Go to the other room if you have to. I, I don't care what your motivation is. So folks might be listening, but it might be listening out of spite. But I haven't yet found anybody who's like, you know what? This Bengals podcast, was, which has been such a big part of my life for years now, I'm not listening anymore because you guys are spending five minutes every week talking about aliens. I think I need to start just putting in the show notes the exact time that we start and stop the alien conversation. And so people, fine. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's fine. Uh, so I had to point out one other thing that was sent to us last week was that after our whole Goldie Hawn saw aliens in the desert, mm -hmm. uh, a Brit the Britney Spears uh, yeah. memoir, The Woman in Me, came mm -hmm. out, and she suggests that she also had a desert experience and may have met an alien or maybe God or some kind of a weird being. And it, it sort of, she says they went on a road trip through Arizona and they had the convertible open. And she said she was overcome with a feeling of profound beauty. She talks about her emotions with an otherworldly moment that made her wonder if she was in an unexpected communion with a supernatural being and talked about, you know, discussing it with somebody She's not more credible that Goldie Hawn was more credible than this, right? This feels like a she's almost maybe this is a last minute addition to her book that she's trying to latch on to all that good pub that Goldie got from her Apple Plus Walk Fitness uh thing podcast last week. Yeah, I'm uh, not buying her as credible. She's no, she, she's I'm not. I, I feel like this is what Burrow was warning us about. Could be. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm gonna read. The Britney Spears book. Maybe we could get you like an AI synopsis. You know what I but mean? Among the things that I would read about regarding Britney Spears is not her experience with extraterrestrials. No. Like, what about the VMAs with the snake? That would be the. the I would want to know about that. Okay. The VMAs with the snake. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that we could establish that, that I feel like this is why maybe why Burrow wore the Could alien be. mask and the NASA shirt, which was like, don't listen to Britney, go to the experts. That was his do message, you think, and I think that's you what think, we established. Do you think had the Bengals, had he not played well, there would have been pushback against the alien mask and the, yes. the NASA shirt? everyone's got to push back against anything he does if he doesn't play well. Right. For sure. And so, oh, he was too know, loose. He was too loose. Too he's focused he's, on aliens. His, his head is literally in the clouds thinking about aliens. You know, what are we doing here? It's It's a major distraction. Uh, and so thankfully he did play well. And, uh, I hope you guys pepper him with, with, is it three fifteen tomorrow? We carry it live. 
Yeah, I think I think it'll. I think I have to at this point. Pepper him with questions about I, I, the I sweatshirt, think... aliens. And, he was trying. You know, I think he was trying to signal. That's all. I mean, that's what I want to know. What was he trying to signal? Yeah, I yeah. I think that's I think that's that's really good. I also yeah. feel like you guys yesterday dropped the ball on on Zach Taylor saying he doesn't know what his kids are going to be for Halloween. Um, I was not there yesterday, and I I got to tell you, I want to credit you. I was actually yeah. listening on ESPN fifteen thirty while on the oh. plane. I had oh, I had no. bought the Wi Fi. Wow, listening. So you what paid, I got to you, hear was, you paid to listen to us. No, I paid to do other things, and <laughs> I happened to need to listen to you guys, and and. I was listening, but uh, I will say Thanks. the best part of it was, you know, you have a, the air, the airplane Wi-Fi can be spotty. Mm-hmm. He, he he it cuts off not too long after he talks about not knowing what his kids are going to be for Halloween. And yeah. then it comes back. Next thing I know, it comes right back and it starts with you starting by going, you know, last year, uh, Zach Taylor was named father of the year. And and explain, <laughs> and then it cut off again. And I was like, that is the whatever was going to happen next was the perfect way to come out of that to point out, like, is, is it being revoked? Clearly, this eliminates him from contention for back to back championships in the father of the year contest. But during the preceding break, Tony and I had spent time discussing what each other's kids were going to be for Halloween. <laughs> and so then, ironically, Zach has the press conference. Somebody, I don't know who it was, asked him what his kids are going to be for Halloween. And he says, I don't know. And so we were making the case. Maybe Tony and I are better dads than Zach Taylor. I mean, at the very, very least. Because I don't know where I finished in the rankings. He was father of the mm-hmm. year that I come in the top 10, top 50, they top don't release the votes. They We need more transparency in the voting, yeah, clearly. Like, who came in second? Yeah. How uh, were the votes uh, distributed? All I know is this. Not knowing what your kids are going to be for Halloween is like Irv Smith fumbling on the four. It's a fireable <laughs> offense. You are eliminated from consideration as far as I'm On that note, Mo, I will see you this afternoon on ESPN 1530 at the Moreland Logger House. I look forward to it. See you, buddy. See you. How about my perfect segue there, Dave? Fine work. Yeah, fine work. You know, we'll go right into our Irv Smith conversation now. You know, it, it's it's one of those. First of all, do you have any any thoughts on the aliens before I go into Irv? <laughs> I mean, I think I think we had plenty of aliens today. You probably don't yeah. need my two cents on it. But, okay, just uh, want to make sure. Just wanna, I, I want to make sure you felt like you had I'm an opportunity. Good. I'm okay. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Like if it's too much, like just let me know, no. people. I know, no. I know. It's it, getting it's getting a little unruly, but it was hairy this week. There were, I mean, we we didn't expect it to be at the forefront. We're not I mean, asking we had, for this. You had to get into the mask. You had to. I mean, you couldn't. That's too much to not. I even tweeted when I saw it. I said these guys got to talk about this. Uh, there's no question. Uh, so the Irv Smith situation now is still out here. Um, I, I tweeted. Uh, I that should be the end of the Irv Smith era. I don't know how you go. If we're talking about trust. If we're talking about playmaking, I, I I don't know how Joe Burrow comes back and is like, yeah, I'll still throw to Irv. <laughs> Let's dial up some more plays. Or the next time he's in a play that has three options, you know. And and that was I. I want to read the quote rather than play it. That when I asked Zach about this after the game, because it was just kind of confu- confusing, and and I want to kind of just give you what he had to say. 
He said, to take points off the board is bothersome. In hindsight, here's what you've got to look at. What's your process you are following? So if I like the play call from a process standpoint, so I like the play call from a process standpoint. Obviously, the coverage they played, it's not a great look for. It doesn't give Joe a lot of good answers there. He has got three different options. He chose the third that he should have, and it doesn't give us a lot of good options there. And then we just got to hang on to the football. So the process that got us there, taking a shot on a run there, probably calling a timeout, and then taking some shots in the end zone, throwing the ball. It didn't work out for us. Of course, anytime something like that happens, you're regretful of the call, but you just got to get back to the process that got us there and led to that call. And that's what I felt comfortable with. Long answer to a short truth here. Irv can't fumble. Right. Okay. Like you, you, this just can't, it may be bad. It may, it may have not have been ideal. Okay. But you're trying to make the best of it. Okay. The, the play call against their coverage was, didn't work out. It sh- they should have, you know, you're, you're either going to run it. You're going to throw to the throw to Jamar on the other side, or you're going to throw this thing, this tight end screeny deal to Irv Smith and Burroughs like, that's where the numbers are best, I guess here. And he throws that. It wasn't like he caught it and got hit immediately and it was a to- thing he couldn't. He's in the middle of three guys holding the ball out. Like, yeah, I mean, it's you just that can't have the only sentence he says that directly was about Herb Smith was that obviously, you know, you can't it can't happen. Yeah. And it, to me, when you're it's one thing if Jamar Chase does this. And he did have, and Jamar Chase did have a fumble this game. It's another thing with a dude who has trust issues and a short as hell leash does this. It, it it's got to be that's that's enough. That's enough of this charade. It's enough. And and well, I think there's a real going to be a real move for that this week that you you just you yeah. have to anticipate. I mean, he can go on and on about process. I see what he's saying, but doesn't your process have to factor in your personnel? I mean. Yeah. If if that third option is the tight end and your tight end is Sam Laporta, oh, don't it's... do it to people like that. <laughs> I know. I was going to say he scores Travis a touchdown. Kelsey. He scores a touchdown. I was going to say right? Travis Kelsey, but I figured yeah. I'd twist the knife a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, it's it's a different line of thinking when that third option is high caliber, top notch. If your first two options go and your third option is the guy that nobody's so sure about then your process was a little bit flawed as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't, you know, I, I get that he's saying it's a play that could have, it should have worked, but therein lies the problem. You can't fumble there. And as you said, when you're loosely taking care of the ball, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. It, it, and if we hadn't, if everybody hadn't been banging their heads over this since the start of the season, it would be a little different too, but it's like, you know, we've identified this is an issue and it hasn't been addressed. Yeah. And it's just, it's time, you know, I, I just, would anybody be surprised or hurt if they just cut Irv Smith and gave Tanner Hudson his roster spot? No. And would anybody pick Smith up at this point? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Would anybody outside of friends and family, (laughs) <laughs> and it's not, and I understand you've got to give a guy time and air, and there's a lot to this situation. But at a certain point, there's got to be a line that you draw in the sand and just say, enough. 
How many times are you going to, is are you just going to allow, allow these things to happen? How many games with no production, how many times were, you know, you don't make the play or now you make the massive error and guys got to feel like they can make mistake. I mean, you don't want to have a bunch of people out there afraid they're going to make a mistake and lose their job, but this is not about one incident. This is about a growing theme that came to a head in a critical moment, making mistakes you just can't make and you got to be better there. Yeah. And I think if we had good to weigh with the bad, that would be different. I mean, I think if you, if you have a guy that you can look back and say, well, you know, he had that huge game two weeks ago, or he made that huge play last week, you'd feel differently about it. Where, where's the other side of the ledger on that? What are we saying that he's bringing that's so good? Even if he was a, I don't, I don't honestly know how good of a blocker he is, but even, you know, we give that to Drew Sample all the time. Hey, he's a good blocking tight end. Um, What are, what are we giving him on the positive side that would outweigh that? And I think that's where the frustration is, is we only seem to be able to point to either negative or just nothingness. Yeah. You know, and that was one thing, you know, Zach Taylor was asked obviously about Irv Smith in a number of ways yesterday and, and pointed out some of the good and was like, you know, that's the thing. He, he has been good in a lot of the other stuff and done. They've been happy with enough of what he's done elsewhere, but you know, that's then then isn't he just kind of drew sample and Mitch Wilcox, which you already have two of he's supposed yeah. to be giving you something different. He's supposed right. to be providing you something as a receiver and, and he's not, and okay, you're going to, so is it, if it's going to Tanner Hudson, well, is he going to give you anything as a blocker? Maybe not, but he can give you maybe something. Uh, and if not, then just have it be sample and Wilkins. I, I I don't know. I just, I, I don't know how you continue to go back to him when there's just, there's just no repercussions for, for what happened. I think there is a, a, a desire and we'll see what happens, but I, I think there's a desire for more. Tanner Hudson and less Irv Smith, but for whatever reason, and I think he's trying to give him every chance. There's been a reluctance to be done with this or, or give, I, I, I didn't think that Irv Smith over the bye week felt like the perfect time, but maybe the resolution they had there was let's give him one more shot. Let's try to find some new ways to involve him and get him going. And you saw that they, they yeah. ran some plays. I mean, they were when everything was cooking, they're out here running screens to Irv. They did one earlier in the game. And you had a play where he, you know, Zach pointed out that he made a really nice read, got out early, and gained whatever 10 or 14 yards, whatever it was. And those are the kind of plays they want to be able to get from him. And, and that's maybe an example of the good. If there can just be more of that. And it felt like one more shot to try to involve him and get him going. We got to give a real effort to it. Everybody involved, right? From the quarterback to the play caller, even if it's the third tag in a three option play. But for that to happen, when you try to do that should be the end of the line, because honestly, if they would have lost that game, that'd have been on them. And if it costs them a game or anything else going forward, it's very much on them yeah. to, to to have stuck with it. So, you know, we don't, I, you know, Zach pointing out some of the, a lot of the good yesterday in that press conference suggests maybe we shouldn't expect the big move, but there's real conversation happening as you would expect about yeah. 
how to deal with this going forward, especially they have an extra roster spot right now. They haven't even filled the Chase Brown to IR move. It's just yeah. sitting there. I mean, it's not like you can't make him active. They had four guys inactive the other day. I mean, it, it's not it's not like it can't happen. And so to me, I thought for sure we would see Tanner Hudson as the activation or the promotion to the 53 because he has he has one more promotion yeah. uh left as a practice squad player and then he has to be added as the ad when should have been two moves chase brown to ir tanner hudson to the 53 surprised it wasn't that surprise it still hasn't happened we'll see what happens today tuesday of course that brings up the other conversation which is trade deadline we're recording this i don't know when you're listening to this i don't anticipate anything happening uh as i've said i hope you all took a walk last week <laughs> i hope you enjoyed your week uh taking walks you know, the question being, does Chase Brown's injury or Irv Smith's performance change the approach to the deadline? I certainly don't get that impression. I'll continue to say, I mean, you never know. But um, that has been the case the entire time that nothing should be expected to happen. Um, we've seen a few additions. Leonard Fournette landed in Buffalo on their practice squad. Um we certainly talked about him as somebody maybe the Bengals could look at because he could be a third down back and the guy to spell mixing in some points. He's playoff Lenny, maybe have some motivation, but that was never it. And, uh, you know, is there is there something to happen? Mm. Again, do not anticipate that. Take a walk. <laughs> I mean, um, it, yeah. it, it would maybe be nice to place a call to the Panthers and see if Hayden Hurst could be had for a, a homecoming here, but, but, but his contract in the next couple of years, they wouldn't like yeah. and the Panthers are going to want something. It'd be yeah. great. If the Panthers didn't want anything in return, yeah. I bet the Bengals would maybe do that deal. Well, that's just it. That's the only way a deal gets done is if they're not having to give up draft capital. If they, yeah. if you want to accept Jackson Carmen uh, or, Somebody, you know, one of these players, Trey Hill or somebody like maybe that would get you. Uh, yeah. But the idea of them giving up draft capital is, you know, is is not especially any reasonable draft capital. And for that respect, you know, Hayden Hurst isn't happy in Carolina. He wants out. They're not using him. He didn't catch a damn ball uh, yeah. for the Panthers. So, yeah, it would make sense. But the Bengals aren't going to give up something and have to pay him. So that's a big part of it. All right. I've got, I got to, I want to, let's get to the growler bet review here. Thank you everybody for your subject header submissions. Uh, I appreciated them. They were well done. I've, I've got a bunch here. Uh, I'm going to read them off the, Growler bet this weekend was receiving yards for T Higgins. The T Higgins conversation felt like it could be a wide range. It could be another game where he doesn't catch much or has a bunch of, uh, whether it's a drop or, you know, not a good catch rate or maybe, maybe it breaks out right all over the place. He ended up with 69 yards nice. and you yeah, nice. I'd like to point out, a lot of people were in this range. There was 67, 66, 65, 71, 79, 169. I mean, you name it. Everybody was. 
Oh, so close. No winners. You all lose. You all lose. Nobody. How did nobody? We had Michael Turner on who like is like this. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't pick 69. <laughs> right. And you all. Nobody went with 69 even as a joke. You're right. Guys had nothing but jokes last week and not one of you did. Unbelievable. So close. No winners. You all lose. But really, you all win. At least those of you that sent me your subjects, subject headers where you had to have Growler in the subject header. I'm going to read off some of my favorites. <laughs> uh, and if and this is, you know, if you were listening, there's a lot of references to things we talked about last week, of course. Uh, so so just look out for those. Uh, this one I just liked in general for just a lot of thought. Andrew White. Tease jacked up ribby. CMC very shifty. Officiating gone shitty. Conway friggin' twitty. Don't matter. T Higgy in the end zone for six doing the gritty. I mean, just a lot of effort. Just yeah. a lot of effort you you know yeah. that you don't expect. Thank you, Andrew yeah. White. Uh this one from Patrick Sable. Oh my god, they're growling. I don't know how, but they're growling. Run for it, Niners. I mean, look, we've we've established our love for like 90, 80s and 90s movies and stuff like this. And I'm appreciate how many of you guys um are are dropping the dropping references in here for me now. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um back to the future there on that one. Sorry. Uh so anyway, I'll make sure we tell people. Uh Corey Kirby. I don't know how I'm wrong, Growler. Which I it, referencing Mo saying I don't know how I'm wrong. That was that showed up That's in a right. couple, a, yeah. a bunch of people saying I don't know how I'm wrong, <laughs> and I just appreciate shows you're listening. A lot of you could again, like Mo said, you could just be sitting through it, but you're listening, <laughs> you're listening. Um, of course, Mike Mannix did the only thing that you can do, which is play directly to my Lebowski heartstrings. That growler <laughs> really tied the room together, did it not? I would be willing to guess I've probably read that line maybe three or four times in the history of the podcast because it's 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 perfect for the growler um, and from Big Lebowski. So great. Uh, Dan Ratcliffe with an R.I.P. Rich Apuzo growler bet <laughs> pointing out that rest in peace. Rich Apuzo passed away in 2015, which I, I knew, but we didn't reference that when talking about it with Michael Turner last week and my father's yeah. love for Rich Apuzo back in the day. Um <laughs> And how many lo- how many local news people that we name dropped in that one was remarkable. In fact, <laughs> I might need to try to add all of them to my Thursday wild card list. Maybe I can get Norma Rashid on to co-host. That's what I was going to say. Go, go, go get somebody from the past and bring them on. Yeah, Charlie Luke, and he's around. Yeah. Uh, okay. This one, the last one here. Also from the Michael Turner conversation, Michael Estep, thank you. I'm so natty. I got Bengals growler bet tattooed on my ass. Well done. Well done. As we talked about things that made you so natty uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, I mean, now you just need, now it just needs to happen. I gotta say, I've never, <laughs> I've never desired to look at anyone's dupa tattoo. Uh, at all. And in fact, um, I once did, I, when I worked at the Inquirer, I always did a segment of like, talk, you know, talk about your tattoo because I thought it was a good people love to open up about talk about their ink and it was usually insight to them. 
And there was one guy, I mean, he was Tanner Hawkinson, was a one of those bad Bengals late offensive line picks who had he had some kind of food on his butt <laughs> that he told me about. And I was like, man, I'm not gonna lie, I don't want to see it. I'm just gonna trust no. you on that one. I'm not, I don't need to look even for my job. I would not do that. <laughs> if you got Bengals growler bet tattooed, I'd I, I think it might be the lone time I'd want to see. It. <laughs> so there's an exception. <laughs> there's an exception to every rule. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been that was just on one this past weekend and submitting all of those. I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening uh, and engaging because it was fun. Okay, uh, wrap it up with some Arby's. Fun trip to the West Coast. Really enjoyed it. I I, I think. People like to ask, I don't know why people care about like press boxes and press box food and mm-hmm. our experiences. The San Francisco 49ers, holy, they they know this is what a Super Bowl media experience looks like. I mean, yeah. the press box is expansive. They had a they had an omelet station, they had a like uh some kind of a they had like a Mexican food station. They had all that. When you go stations, like I'm feeling mm. big time. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the coffee station, they had popcorn boxes, big boxes with seven different kinds of popcorn <laughs> seasoning next to it. The attention to detail was just next level. Okay. And, you know, you're sitting up really high. It's kind of an all 22 view though. It's not where you're really far away. The view was great. The elevators were quick to the floor. I appreciated that. I said post game. All of this is great, but they did what very few do anymore. The bucket of beer after the game sitting in the press oh. box. This used oh, to be yeah. a staple yeah. of press rooms back in the day, back when there you know, wasn't a whole lot of morality or giving a damn happening <laughs> in our industry. And uh, But they're one of the few. Hang on. Uh, Jerry, Jerry World, they're, they're all, you know, Jerry's all about it. Tampa, because you know Tampa, yeah, and Florida man, yeah. yeah, Florida man, and <laughs> and and here in, in just a bucket, it was just a bucket of beer. So Bud Lights sitting in there, and at one point, one Kelsey Conway put one down in front of Richard Skinner, our good friends, <laughs> uh, and iced him, even though it wasn't smeared off ice. Basically, lit him up. This was I like to thought Bud Light. And there was a lot of talk of like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't chug it, even though we all know Skinny would. But it kind of like got <laughs> lost as we started working. We're really working hard. And all of a sudden, it just like Skinny just decided, now's the time. Popped, <laughs> chugged, slammed right there in the moment, put it down. We were so loud, we got shushed by Ooh. like other people in the press. We deserved it. Yeah. But it was just don't give it, don't put beer down around us. <laughs> like don't it's just it's gonna it's gonna turn us into another level, okay? And so I credit Richard Skinner for for doing it and living up to his reputation. But it was it was a hysterical moment. Um and 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 thanks to the 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 kind woman who did quiet us down because we, we deserved it. It was like the mom <laughs> needs to come into the room, okay? Yeah. Like it's too much right now for for you. Everyone's trying to work. The the heathens from the Midwest have come in hammering down their beers, just making noise. That's it. But it was really a culmination of 
the 49ers press box experience, which was just exquisite. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like I'd like to live there in that press box. That would be very expensive. I'm. They would. Again, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, it's we're, we're talking about California, San Francisco prices, <laughs> and a lot happening there. So if you you'd like to live there rent free. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that much. And you'd, you'd be eating a lot of candy. Okay, I'm all right with that. Yeah, they had the like three different jars of the ones that you can the candies you can twist Skittles. Then there's like M and M's. Another oh, one you could twist goodness. on the bottom into a bowl. I mean, it was. They had the giant bank of TVs. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it was just well done. Thank you, San Francisco. Roselle points, I think, coming your way for the, the top media group <laughs> in the in the league on that one. Uh, all right. That about wraps me up. Um, also, shout out to a guy in my hotel. The first thing I saw Sunday morning when I went down to get my breakfast was a man in a Dan Wilkinson jersey. Wow. Just good for you. Good for yeah. you. Thank you. Thank for your participation. Uh and it's like I just I just love it that it's like, you know what? This is where I'm going. I'm it show it showing who you are. Been here. No wagon near me. I've got I've got strong feelings about jerseys. Yeah. And and when you should be wearing them. For example, you know, you don't you don't wear your guy who just recently was on the team and left. Like when I was down at that Seahawks Bengals game, I saw a lot of Russell Wilson jerseys. Now set that aside. Yeah. I saw a guy that had a Carson Palmer jersey where he put a Joe Burrow panel over it. Mm. Unfortunately, it was a white jersey and he used a black panel with orange letters. It was not a good look. No, no. A little sloppy. But, but there is a point when you have the obscure guy from the past that you can bring it back out and then it's just strong and Big Daddy would fall under that. No that's, question. That's very strong. Yeah, no question. I mean, I'd rather see Achilles Smith than Carson Palmer at this point. Yeah. I think you yeah. gotta, yeah, you gotta go there. Yeah. Uh I mean, Carson's been so clearly. I mean, he's trying to <laughs> kind of come around because they're so good. He's looking kind of bad off all the negativity that he was spewing early yeah. on. Every year at the Super Bowl, he comes back around. I still doubt that they're gonna do it right, even though they seem to be changing things. It's like you, you can't. He's been so clearly, you know. All right, anyway, I'm not going to go there. All right. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for participation and handling what was a pretty loose episode today, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens, jerseys, beer I mean, chugging. All, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're all we're all over the map here. It's what, it's what we bring to you. Uh, Tyler Dunn <laughs> on Thursday. Uh, looking forward to him as co-host, and we'll dive into – a lot of what's going on in, in a highly anticipated Sunday night football Bengals Bills matchup going to be something. Uh, so there's a lot to get to there. So looking forward to doing that with TD. Uh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.